recorded live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another edition of Track Talk, Let's Run's famous podcasting. This is Let's Run.com, Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson welcoming you to the program. We've got two very special guests live from London, Weldon Johnson and Jonathan Gall. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks good so to much be, to be, be here. here, though. Uh, I don't know how special I am, but uh, happy to be talking as always. John, you're a very, very special man. What a crazy weekend. Last time we talked on Friday, we were getting ready for Worlds, and now we've had three days of action, and boy, has it been incredible. Upsets, huge upsets, really, to me, has been the name of the first opening three days. Usain Bolt goes down in the men's 100. Elaine Thompson goes down in the women's 100. Sam Krauser goes down in the men's shot put. I mean, these were three heavy favorites. They all lose. And when there's an upset, hey, somebody comes through and gets – Unexpected gold, Tori Bowie, and the villain, Justin Gatlin, winning gold in the men's 100. And then, of course, Amy Craig with the performance of her wife snagging America's first gold, excuse me, first medal in the women's marathon since 1983. Guys, Jonathan, what moment stands out for you as the most having been there in the stadium for the last three days? I think it has to be Gatlin. I mean, that's the one that the world was paying attention to outside of the track world. Uh, that's the one that everyone was looking, the race that everyone was looking forward to. And I think the thing that's, that's weird to me is just, you know, obviously the boos, I wasn't really surprised for them because they booed him in the prelims uh, and they booed him before the semifinal. So booing him, you know, after the race, it wasn't that big a surprise. But it basically, it transitioned so quickly back to a bolt love fest. Like if you hadn't watched the race, or the about 30 seconds after the race where it flashed out that Gatlin had won, um, you wouldn't have known that Usain Bolt lost that race because the announcers were basically going on and on and praising him and lauding him. They made a comment praising his, you know, commitment, his calls for clean sport in the last week, which I thought was, you know, maybe a little pointed jab at Gatlin. I thought was interesting. But it was just, it was crazy. It was like, Justin Gatlin just won the world championship. He's kind of doing a lap of honor. I don't think he's made it all the way around the track. And they're acting as if it's still Bolt. And again, Bolt is, is the greatest sprinter of all time. He deserves all the praise he gets. But in that moment, you know, usually the, the cheers and the praise is reserved for the world champion. And it was as if they had a script and they just couldn't improvise. Pretty interesting stuff. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the state we are in society. Celebrity, being a celebrity is more important than anything else. I mean, we're in the Kardashian world. What do they do? They're just famous. So Bolt, you know, admittedly, he's earned his celebrity status. But, you know, people, probably a lot of people in the crowd wanted to tell their children, grandchildren, I saw the same Bolt run. So in some ways, it almost didn't matter what he did, you know, save for yet another false start, which would have been even worse. But, um, you know, it was pretty interesting because, you know, normally right when the when the race was about to go off, I went upstairs and decided this is the one track event that my wife might want to watch with me. So, And um, as I sat down, I was like, wait a minute, who am I rooting for? Normally I, I, I root for both, you know, as, as journalists, you know, we're not supposed to root for anyone, but I'm like, You've got you've got someone that you want to see or it's a storyline. I wasn't sure what I wanted to see, so I texted Weldon in the stadium. I was like, "Wait a minute, who who are you rooting for?" But Weldon's like, "I think it would be interesting to see what happens if Bolt loses." 
so then I sort of started, you know, um, thinking that was a great idea. So I, I was intently focused on Coleman, thinking he was the only one that could beat Bolt, maybe Blake. Um, and um, I, I would say my observation of it was very similar to to what happened on the BBC. I was focused on those two, and I was like, wait, Bolt's going to lose. And I'm like, wait, there's Gatlin. He won at the bottom. So a couple of the commentators, you know, play the play guys missed it. Um, they didn't even see Gatlin until after it was over. So, you know, that was certainly shocking. And then we had another upset last night in the women's hundred. I mean, I, I think as good as Bolt has been over the years, there's no way he was as favored as much as Elaine Thompson. I mean, I think everybody was just assuming she had that in the bag. And yet, well, great in the semi and didn't come through in the final. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was surprising because she ran, you know, I was looking, she ran 10.88 with a slight tailwind last year in the Olympic semifinal and then came out and ran, you know, 10.7 something in the final to win it. And so this year you're thinking, well, well, damn, I mean, she just ran 10.84 into a, a minor headwind in the semi last night. So once you saw the semifinal round, you're just like, it's over, just give her the goal. And I talked to her after the race, and she was just like, I don't know what I did. I mean, if you watch her race, I think about six meters in, she sort of sucked. She broke form a little bit and never was able to, you know, fully get back on track. But even then, you know, she, it wasn't as if she was starting to pull away uh, like she usually does. So I, it was weird. It was a weird time to have her worst race uh, of the year. Yeah, last night afterwards, you know, she was asked what happened, and she was like, I don't know. You know, she didn't really make any excuses, which I thought was good. Um, it was just an interesting race because a lot of it, Tori Brewery thought she could win, but you know, John, you were you were saying some of the others were, were didn't really consider it, right? No, Marie Jose Talu, who lost by point one, she lost by one hundredth of a second, and after the race, you know, she was crying. And I asked her, were those tears of happiness or were those tears of sadness? And she said, oh, definitely happiness because she she came and she was like, she, remember, this is a woman who was fourth in the 100 and the 200 last year in Rio. And she was like, I'm just happy to get a, get a medal. I mean, you look at these women, there's, there's Skippers, she's a world champion, there's Tori Bowie, there's Elaine Thompson. And she's like, well, I'm, I'm just Marie Jose Salou, you know? And uh, she, she's like, I, to be among these women, you know, was was uh, amazing for her. And I think she's selling herself a little short. She had a great year this year, and she ran a PR of 1086 in the final, and you run a PR in the World Championship final, usually you're going to do pretty well. So it's interesting, though, if, if she had leaned, she admitted, like, she ran straight through the line, and she said, if I did, I'd have had the gold medal. And uh, I, I think she's right, because Bowie had an incredible lean, but Talu led, uh, led her for probably 97% of that race. Really fascinating but stuff. Like 99%. Yeah, I mean, I think I thought you guys did a good job of pointing out the reaction times and the race recaps, how she had, you know, 0.20 is really slow. So I, I think she was probably very confident, like, don't blow it at the start, but you get off to that slow of a start and you kind of maybe panic a little bit and you got to keep your form. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to run as well as you should. But one thing it could be, and there's been some really smart posts in the past in the message board about this. And I, I wish, I know people probably think I know all the message board regulars and, and I don't, I think he might be the guy calculator, but when Fred Coley was running so well in the 400 of the SEC championships, and I think he, didn't he run a 44 in the, in the semis, John or 40. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yes. 
Um, and, and people are like, what, are you going to run the final? And this guy in the message board was like, look, in the history of the world, no one's done this. You can't run that fast twice in a row that close together. So maybe she just went a little too hard in the sim aim and, you know, didn't quite have it um, for the final. But, you know, I mean, in terms of the betting odds, she was an 87%, one to seven favorite, you know, when we last spoke. So 87.5% of the time she's expected to win that race. And yet, you know, she didn't do it. And then, you know, talking about another big upset, the shot put. I mean, Sam Krauser comes into that thing last night undefeated on the Ryan year. Krauser, Ryan Krauser wrote it. Oh, sorry. His brother, Sam, right? The guy went there. Or cousin or somebody. Um, you know, he came in two to five favorite for the gold medal, undefeated on the year. And not only does he not win gold, he doesn't win any medal of any sort. And then there was huge controversy because Joe Kovacs, who was this, the reigning champion from 2015, the silver medalist in the Olympics last year, on the sixth round, he's in a great battle with the Kiwi Tom Walsh. Uh, you know, Kovacs throws a, a 22-meter throw. It's going to win it. And then they call a foul for stepping on top of the board, which you don't see every day. But it's definitely, you know, according to the rule book, it's a foul. Um, so that was like just I – mean, I, I thought like the, the emotion on Kovacs' face w- was really riveting. And, you know, even if you're not a shot put fan, you had to get into that a little bit. You know, the great competition, Krauser's pretty much been winning everything. And usually he has about, you know, three or four throws that'll win the competition. He didn't have any last night. He had one big one, I think, around two or three. It probably would have won. They called a foul for him. He appealed it, but that was upheld. Um, he didn't throw that well in the prelims either. And, you know, we were asked there afterwards, and he's like, look, it's like a golf swing. You know, usually it's on, and sometimes it's off, and off. They're all off. Um, and you can't get it right. And you made it sound like it's, it's, it's a problem that shot putters occasionally have. And Walsh sort of said the same thing. You know, Walsh confident he could beat him this year. But he's like, you know, he, he knew that wasn't the best from Krauser. So, I mean, that's, that's why we have the sport, right? I think the problem with track and field is the favorites win all the time. But we like them winning. You know, it's the thing. Because when Bolt loses, hey, it's just, not you know quite as exciting, but when there's just when it's predictable, you don't like it as well. So you, you need to be upset from time to time. And you know I think we should talk a little bit about Bolts and Gatlin booing, but there is one favor who came through and he sort of got neglected. And I guarantee if this was a British podcast, uh, he wouldn't have been at Gordon Smith so far. You know, well, already good. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about Mo. I mean, I, I think I just went with the upsets because that was really the theme yesterday, and also Ferris race was the first day is the longest away. So, um, well, I don't know if you've been walking around. It sounds like you're walking away from the microphone. Um, can't hear you quite as well, so please try to speak into the phone or the microphone or whatever you're using over there. But, yes, uh, Mo Farah did deliver. And, you know, the Let's Run audience, let's talk about the 10,000s. They were spectacular. And two of the all-time greats, came through. Mo Farah first on Friday night. You know, how many times are we going to ask, is he vulnerable? Is he going to lose? Can Camara press the pace? You know, time after time, it seems like in world, people are like, oh, the Kenyans just gave it to him. The Ethiopians just gave it to him. It was a jog fest. And of course, Farah's going to win if it turns into a 1500. But no, these guys brought it to him. And it was almost a championship record. It was a sub 27 minute race. And yet Farah does what he always does, win. And um, definitely the greatest championship record of any professional distance runner on the track. 
um, surpassing Gabor Celeste and Bikile. But um, what a race. I mean, how – being in the stadium, was that by far the biggest crowd, the biggest cheer, or, or, or did the men's 100 surpass that? It was loud, um, for sure. But I will tell you, the biggest, the biggest cheer I heard of the entire first weekend, and this is something that Tim Hutchings said – they said on the PA system it was the loudest that Tim Hutchings has ever heard the stadium. It was Holly Bradshaw, the pole vaulter, her clearance of 4.65. That, the, stadium, the entire stadium, she's a British pole vaulter, it was a pole vault final, the entire stadium rose up and just basically roared as one. That is the loudest single moment I heard. Now, in terms of sustained roar, though, basically once Farrow went to the lead with just over 600 to go, all the way from there to the finish, it was very loud. Um, so that was definitely the, the loudest sort of one-minute, one, two-minute stretch I've heard. But, uh, yeah, pole, women's pole vault final, that was the loudest I've heard the whole weekend. That's the type of insight you only get from being there. There you heard it, folks. Well, let's run exclusive from Jonathan Galt. Holly Bradshaw, now looking at the results, she didn't even get a medal. She did clear 465, which is what got the bronze, was Robolais Pinado of Venezuela. Rear medal for Venezuela, congratulations. And Yaris La Silva of Cuba got a tie for the bronze at 465 because they had only had one miss. So they, didn't, they both had cleared. They had no misses going in to that point. And they cleared 465 on their second attempt. It looks like Bradshaw, she had no misses going in, but she cleared it on her third attempt. So pretty interesting stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to the Farrah race, I mean, do you guys really think he's going to go to the marathon? This is going to be it. I mean, Weldon, I've got to give you credit. You said coming into this, these championships, I think either Farah or Bolt is going to lose. What happened? How do people respond? Well, we've seen that. But Farah did not lose. But my big prediction coming in is that, you know what? Nobody retires in sports anymore. People always miss the money. They miss the fame. So I've said publicly, I think either Farah or Gatlin, I mean, excuse me, or Bolt will come back to the track. Um, the more I watch Bolt and the more his personality, I think he may be done. But, you know, Michael Phelps came back in swimming after his retirement. So many people have done it. Um, but Ferris is so good at, 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 at the 10,000. I just, in the marathon, is he really going to want to, you know, battle for a medal? You know, I, mean, I guess he might be. I guess in the marathon, he, you know, he got smoked badly when it was a rabbit race, but if it's a championship style marathon, God, who's going to beat him in that? So maybe if, if he's super competitive, I don't think he'll come back to the track, but if he's getting dropped and finishing fifth, I, I think that he will. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Colvin? Um, we've given me too much credit because in the prediction contest, I think I picked far to lose his bolt to win. And I'm in like last place. If I switched him around, I'd be doing great. But um, yeah, he looked, incredible pretty cool to see him sort of pump up the crowd during the race i mean once he he was hanging way back at the beginning but then he kind of got up there and a couple times he gestured to the crowd and they rightfully responded um yeah i mean the question is right like will he necessarily become a good marathoner and you know a lot of these guys well i guess if you go through this geber salase um and the kale line um, they all eventually had tremendous success in the marathon. So even if you want to put Turgot in that group, so 
you know, just logic says Barra will be next in that line, but he's just, I don't know, he's been beaten a half marathon before. I don't think of him as a a tremendous long-distance runner, but maybe that's just because it hasn't been the focus. Um, You know, it's just hard to keep going at this age. I mean, the guys behind him are so much younger, and I think one guy who, you know, definitely deserves a mention is Joshua Cheptegei, the Ugandan, who, you know, get familiar to him. If there's a edge of Gibbers last Keely and Farah, I mean, 10K is pretty cool because, um, you know, we've had the, the three sort of greats in a row. Uh, so, you know, you know uh, I guess Jaylon won once, but sort of going to be stars of the sport. But Cheptegei would, he might be, you know, he, he was even talking about, you know, maybe my time will come, he was saying, and he specifically mentioned Ireland and SC and Mo. So, um, but but the kid's 20 years old. He almost won the World Cross Country. It was gut wrenching, and then he faded to 30th place. And here he was pushing far at the end. And he came a long way in that last lap. I'd like to see last lap splits. He wasn't right there at the bell. So it'll be real curious what what he does. But he was such a long shot, you couldn't even bet on him here in the betting markets. Like he just wasn't listed at all. Well, that was good um, oversight. That was. I mean, he was clearly one of the contenders. I yeah, think it's weird because you guys called me from the betting parlor and asked me who I wanted. And I asked, I said, hey, what about Cheptegei? Because, you know, he'd broken 13. And I was like, if Ferris somehow is off his game or sick, you know, he could win it. And, and, and he wasn't listed. So I was like, well, I could get big odds on that. But it's ironic because we also left him off the prediction contest. And I think I actually was the one who did the 10,000. So I, I'm clearly aware of him and been in Uganda and was a big fan. But um, I don't know why I didn't, you know, it's weird. People were like robots. We're just falling down. So hardly anybody picked other when he was, you know, probably certainly should have, someone should have been picking. You know, if he, if he didn't pick Cam or Tanui, certainly he'd be the pick probably over the Ethiopian. Um, but, you know, Farah gets the gold, 26-49-51. Kept guys with silver, 26-49-94. I think there's a little echo there. Um, and then Tanui, the bronze, 26.50.60. So, f- fantastic race. And then a day later, we've got the women's 10,000. And, I mean, Ahmad Ayana, she does it again. And people were blown away by it. And it, it brought up a lot of interesting discussions on the message board. She wins by 46 point three seven seconds runs thirty point sixteen thirty two lapping everyone in the field except for the top four so some very good runners being lapped I mean all of the Americans Susan Crumman's lap Emily Enfield and Susan Crumman's obviously is not American she's from the Netherlands but um I'm just going down five six seven Molly Huddle Emily Sisson and so so on and so forth so she likes Irene Chetai who is the world cross country champion and she beat her by 65 seconds. Right. So, guys, uh, here's the question. A lot of people, you know, Molly Huddle had a post-race comment, the Ethiopians get a lot away with a lot. I will agree with this, with Molly in the sense of, look, the testing in Africa isn't great, but the fact of the matter is, to me, I think when I watch, you know, track and field in general, everyone has a question mark. I mean, I, I, I sort of anyone could be doping and but I, I don't think it everyone is doping like some of these people do just because it's possible to dope doesn't mean everyone is and also just because you know the testing isn't great 
well, if you're smart enough, you can you can beat the test anyway. So I don't know. I mean, in some ways, the fact that she wins by 46 seconds is mind-boggling, particularly considering the first you know 3k was three or four k was, was slow. So she basically did over the final 6k. But in my mind, when I think about it, I can justify that type of margin of victory. It's not to me. Oh, she's an obvious doper. And what is your thought? I, I can explain why I think that, but just sort of off the top of your head, well then, you know, when you see that, are you not enjoying the, enjoying the performance because you think this is ridiculous? Like, what was your what was your reaction to the race as you were there? So what she, well, I, you know, was quickly typing other stuff because you know the race was over. There was it was super slow, and then she was so far ahead, sort of. Being there, you, you know, you're working, you don't need, need to really keep watching. That sort of woke up and, you know, it was sort of uneventful being there. But it was a majestic performance. I mean, it's an amazing performance. You know, the question is, is, is it real? But everyone who's like, oh, she's got to be doping. I'm like, I'm suspicious of everyone. But, like, what, her drugs are better than everybody else's? I mean, doping can't just explain that performance. Um, I don't think, like, she's got the resources to get on some wonder drugs that nobody else is on. Um, obviously, if you know it were because of doping, you know it doesn't. I'm not saying like, oh, it's still amazing she's doping. If you're doping, you're a cheat. That's sort of one thing I think Justin Gatlin still doesn't get. But um, you know, there's a reason we have better testing in place, and hopefully, uh, it's a legitimate performance. And I think sort of the Americans' reaction was you know, a bit different. Um, you talked about the medal, right? I mean, the medal's a bad quote. Do you remember exactly what it was? Uh, the exact quote, I think, I, I can't recall the exact quote, but she essentially just said she was, uh, she had, she was suspicious. Uh, I think she was comparing it to Kenya and Russia, how there's been a rash of doping positives in both of those countries. Uh, Kenya because, you know, I think they, well, there's still been, despite the previously lax testing, uh, there's been a rash of doping positives. But I think she looks at Ethiopia and she sees the testing isn't quite up to snuff. Uh, and she gets, they, she thinks they get away, away with a lot. That was the line that she said, they get away with a lot. And again, but I, I also asked her, you know, when you see someone win a race by 46 seconds, does that margin of victory send off any alarm bells in your head? And she's like, well, you know, I, I run from the front a lot and I kind of run like that. So it wasn't really, you know, weird for me to see someone win by that much because, you know, Molly Huddle, if you go to a road race when Molly Huddle's entered, uh, and I've been to several of them, she'll, she'll try to cross the field just like uh, Ayanna did. So to, to see right. a huge margin of victory. The difference there is not the best in the world crushing them. Um, Obviously. No. Yeah, I mean, you I feel like that. they get away with a lot, to, to be honest. Whereas, uh, Emily Enfield said, they're innocent until proven guilty, and I hope that she's just the best there ever was in the world. Either one of those, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, when I see those quotes, I think they're both right on the money. It's natural to say that they get away with a lot, and they don't have the same type of testing, but I loved Enfield's quote, too. I mean, I think that should be sort of the thought process is, are we watching the greatest runner ever? And I also loved how Huddle said, yeah, winning by 46 seconds, isn't that ridiculous? And that's what I was 
saying when I started this segment was, you know, if you um, just think about even last year, I mean, you know, she was basically more than a minute up on huddle last year, correct? No, no, not quite. Ayana ran 29.17, Huddle ran 30.13. So, you know, 56 seconds last year, but Huddle's not, you know, I don't think she's in quite as good a shape this year as she was last year. So it, it goes up a little bit. You know, so she was crushing everybody. Admittedly, that was over the full 10K, but it doesn't, you know, she ran basically 14.24 pace. You know, that was her final 5,000. So she basically ran that for 6K. So, but considering that she can probably run 14.10, is it absurd that someone runs 14.25 for 6K? I mean, the first 4K was a complete joke. It was like 33-minute pace. So that isn't that shocking. And if you go back, you know, to – so I think Huddle's a little bit worse. So that's why the margin of victory goes up. And the African competition this year isn't as good. I mean, Zababa – Last year, had done a lot more on the track before she came into Worlds. This year, she had done nothing since the London Marathon, so she's not going to be quite as good. She runs for second, you know, doesn't even try to go with her. So then there's going to be a margin, margin there. Vivian Chariot isn't in the race. You know, I, I don't think the African competition as well is quite as good. And just in general, in women's sport, we're still not at the stage where it's as deep as the men's sport. We're probably, you know, 15, 20 years behind. I mean, let's go back to the 2003 men's world, 2000 three men's world championship. And that's the one that's gotten a lot of press recently because the winning time, just like this race at Mo Farah ran is 26:49. So people are now comparing Farah against the great all time greats. And we said on the site that Farah could not beat Bikile in 2003. And it was a 26:49 race like it was here, but Bikile ran his last 5,000 and sub 13. His last lap was significantly faster, basically a full second faster than what Farah ran. So, but if you look at that race, Bikile, this is a men's race, was 58 seconds up on the first non-African, Carl Casca. He beat, he ran 26.49. I mean, Culpepper ran 28.14. He beat Matt Kaplowski 28.31. He beat Matt by a minute and 32, 42 seconds. Dan Brown ran 29.01. So, you know, we've seen this before, this type of dominance. Now, admittedly, there was Africans in there, five or six. But if, if you say that the Africans aren't quite as good in the women's race, there's not as many of them, many of them in the marathon. You know, I, I think that the margin of victory is somewhat conceivable. And, and again, running 1425 for, for 4K doesn't seem that unreasonable. But, you know, looking ahead, everyone's giving her the gold medal in 10,000, but not Jonathan Gold. John, you called me yesterday and said, hey, I think O'Berry's going to win it again. Explain why. Well, if you look at the last two global championships in 2015, we saw Gensemi Dubaba, she wins the 1500 in very impressive fashion, closes in like 156. Everyone's like, all right, it's over, just give her the gold medal in the 5K, you know. Then Ayana comes out and just breaks her, and Almaz Ayana wins the 5K. So then we go to Rio next year. Almaz Ayana comes out, she breaks the world record in 10,000 meters, she beats Vivian Chariot by 15 seconds. Everyone's like, well, we know who's going to win the 5,000 now. Obviously, Almaz Ayana. Ayana comes out. And she looks like, she, you know, she makes a big move midway through the race. And just like she did in Beijing the year before. And it doesn't work because she goes too hard. And both Helen O'Beary and Vivian Chariot catch her and Ayana ends up with the front. Now we're, at, we're in London and we've got Ayana again. Someone has done an incredibly dominant performance. She's coming back. 
But Helen O'Beary has had a very, very good season. I mean, she's been demolishing the field in the 5,000. She demolished Laura Muir over the final lap in uh, the mile in London. She ran, she's run 357 for 1,500 meters as a personal best. I mean, Helen O'Beary is a major, major talent and beat Ayana at the Olympics last year. And I think that anyone who's just saying, well, just because Elma Ayana closed in 1425, you know, she's she's just going to be able to drop Obiri. Well, Obiri 1418 pretty much by herself earlier this year. I think that even if Ayana runs close to world record pace, it's going to be tough to drop a fresh Helen Obiri who is not doubling back from the 10K. So I don't know. I'm not saying 100% Obiri is going to win, but if I have to pick head-to-head, I don't know. I, I'm still picking. I think I'm going to pick Obiri, but again, if Ayana runs a little bit more sensibly than she did last year and does it, I think she dropped the 64 in there, which you just shouldn't be doing in a 5K. But if, if Ayana goes hard from the gun and runs, you know, 1408 or 1410 or something like that, yeah, maybe, maybe Obiri doesn't hold on, but I, I think she's got a shot too. Running 1418 solo, I think if you got someone pacing you the whole way and you're as good as Obiri, I think she could hang on. Well, John, you managed to go down to the betting parlor with some latest odds. Patty Power, um, Ayana's a one to four favorite. Helena Berry gets three to one, so that's pretty good odds there. Um, you know, we're trying to keep these just under you know, just over thirty minutes. We've been talking for close to twenty nine already. So, um, let's talk briefly about you know one other event we didn't even talk about. We probably don't have time about it, but where the favorites have flopped is the men's eight hundred, and Manuel Career is out. Uh, all the Americans are out, not including Donovan Brazier, um, but. You know, I think we'll we'll do one of these podcasts every day, and we should just talk about the last night's action and that day's action. So let's talk about what's happening tonight. You guys are going to be heading to the track soon. We've got some great finals, women's fifteen hundred. How about a shout out to Amy Craig first? We haven't even given her. She got a bronze medal. No one expected it. We haven't even mentioned it. We mentioned it at the beginning, but unbelievable run. I think it deserves like at least thirty seconds, two minutes. Robert said we're going to start doing these daily now because there's no more morning sessions. So we talk about a lot more in detail, talk about the next action, preview the day's action. Um, but, you know, her run was phenomenal. She's at a whole other level. Sometimes the world, these marathon fields are kind of weak. That was not the case. That women's field was loaded. Um, so bronze medal, Amy Craig, almost a silver medal. It was a crazy race at the end. I mean, it went out super slow. Um, you know, this Brit was leading for about an hour and 40 minutes, an hour 40. The lead pack catches him. You know, Serena Burrell is still in it. There's like over 10 people, 14 people in it, I think. First one to put in a move. And afterwards, she said she wasn't like making a bid for glory. She was just kind of, she said ever since, you know, right before halfway, she kept thinking like, oh my God, this thing's just going to blow open any second. It never did. So finally, um, you know, she makes the move, I think it was about 10K to go and sort of opens things up. And then next thing you know, she's been dropped. She's behind Rose Chilimo of Bahrain and um, Edna Kippelgat. And they sort of get clear, and then she's sort of dueling it out for third and fourth the rest of the way. Um, it was crazy. And then first and second are dueling it out back and forth. And, you know, both of them sort of switched places in the final mile. You don't see that a lot in a marathon. It's a tremendous race. And, uh, you know, she ends up with a bronze. She said with a mile to go, she was about 20 to 30 meters back. And Coach Jerry Schumacher, who she credits with sort of, you know, changing. She said changing my life. You know, he's changed my career. He's changed my life. Um, yelled at her and said, like, hey, you know, be, just hang on. Hang on. Be, 
try to get a little closer by half mile. You're better than her the last half mile. And Amy said she thought to herself, like, all right, this is it, you know, like the rest of my life, this is the decision. And so she pushed there and he was right. The total, you know, last half mile, she had it. I think that sort of mental tip sort of helps her, you know, like it breaks down the race. It's not like, oh, I got to make it a whole mile. She's just like, yeah, just give something now and see what I've got. Um, yeah, I, so really cool. I really love that really anecdote cool. because from a coaching standpoint, it gave her something very specific to do. And it's like, okay, I can just maintain to the last half mile. Man, I don't know how he knew she'd be better than the last half mile. It's not like they've raced each other over the last half mile of the marathon before. And maybe Amy always has a good last half mile. But, you know, it, it's so much better than just saying, go, you can do it, you can do it. I mean, that's not really, that sort of goes in one head or the other. At a marathon, you're losing it mentally. It just gave her something to focus on, you know, sort of get back into the game. And what a performance by Amy. And, and you know, kudos to yeah, having great meetings. This is kind of a funny anecdote also the coach athlete relationship. She's been sick for seven to ten days. Maybe she's been two weeks. She's been over here two weeks. And uh, so Don and I went and watched the people prelims yesterday in the marathon it was a unique setup this year. In both marathons, back to back, not at the same time, back to back. She did her different day. Um, and neither one of them finished in the track. They finished at Tower Bridge. And so Now, the women's 1500 final is tonight, along with the men's 110 hurdle final, women's triple jump, and women's hammer final. Those are the finals we're going to get tonight on Monday night. But what a race. We've been looking forward to this throughout. You know, we came in with the big three, Safan Hassan, the favorite, the world leader this year. I don't know. know, Some minds the favorite. You know, she's the world leader. She's been looking the best this year. Faith Kipiega, though, the Olympic champion, 
And then we also have the world record holder, Gonzebe Dababa. And then we have the wild card, Caster Semenya, plus the British hope, Laura Muir, and American hope, Jennifer Simpson, Jenny Simpson. So, so far, pretty much everything is, you know, gone according to form, except Gonzebe Dababa did not look good in the semifinal, really faded. As a result, her gold medal odds have dropped significantly in everyone's eyes, including the betting public. She's now 25 to 1 to win. The world record holder, wow. So, Hassan is the favorite, according to Tiny Power, 5 to 4. But to me, and this is the person I'm going to be rooting for. In some ways, I was like, I was like, um, after the after the men's hundred final, I was talking to my wife, and I was like, you know, Gatlin, I, I, he's a villain, but I, I root for him now. She's like, why? Hasn't he been rude to you guys? And I'm like, hey, he served his time, and I respect the fact that he just goes out there and keeps doing it now, like over and over. And that's why I'm rooting for Casher Semenya. I don't like this court of arbitration for what? sports. People need to acknowledge that men and women are not exactly the same. Men have genetic advantages in sport over women. And clearly, Castro is a woman, but she has you know, intersex traits that, that give her a huge advantage in sport. But that being said, by the rules, she's allowed to compete. And she's really surprising me. I mean, whether you have high testosterone or not, most people don't have this, the same twitch you know, fibers to do well at 400 and 1500 and 800. So she's looked fantastic. It would not shock me at all if she wins this. But it's really hard to say just because she's there and she looks good. You know, I'm not convinced that she's going to win the gold medal because it's like an 800. Everyone's seen her for years look pull away from the field in the last 100, you know, and oh, she can run so much faster. She can run 153. Well, she hasn't. She's run, you know, 155 repeatedly over and over and over and over again. She tried to run fast this year in Monaco or Paris. It didn't happen. So just because she's there, I'm not convinced that she could just – she's absolutely got, like, a ton more than we're seeing in the final 100, but we'll find out tonight. Um, but Jenny Simpson, I mean, her odds have definitely got up. I mean, the Baba certainly hasn't looked as good as Simpson. So it's – the problem for Simpson's medal chances are you've got Hassan, you've got Kip Yegon, Probably Semenya ahead of her and probably Moore. So, I mean, it's looking like fifth. I, I bet, though, Simpson beats one of them. She may end up like Shannon Roper fourth last year. Jonathan, what is your take on this race? Yeah, I, I think, well, I, I picked Hassan before the meet. I'm sticking with that. She's done nothing in the heat to disprove that I think she's the, the fittest woman in the race. The, the one thing I have noticed, though, and I don't expect her to do the same exact thing in the final, but She's got out at the very back, and she's taken a while to move up to the front. And this is something that she's done for years. Until this year on the Diamond League, she hasn't stayed at the back quite as often. She's actually been more willing to push the pace in her first year under Alberto Salazar. So I'm going to be very, very interested to see how she runs this race, because I think if you run right in the back, you know, I just don't like it. I think it's a bad spot to be in. Uh, if you're not in position to respond if a hard move is made right at the front. And if it's a fast race the whole time, you're going to have to be peeling by people. I mean, I think it would just make me more confident in her if she ran a little bit further up. But again, that's somewhere she feels comfort- comfortable. So I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what Hassan does, but I do think she's the fittest woman right now. I think you're absolutely right about Simpson. Jenny has, she comes into these meets and she doesn't run quite as fast as everyone else during the regular season. But 
by the time she gets to the championship, she's always in that kind of shape. She's pro- she's probably in 357 shape right now. And she always beats people that on paper she's not supposed to, even though, you know, you look at her and on paper she's also a, a three-time medalist and a 2011 world champion. So, you know, I think she doesn't get the respect that she deserves, which is kind of weird to say of someone who's that decorated. But, but I think she definitely – she beats one of those women you mentioned, but I don't think she beats all of them. I think it's just too loaded up front. My pick would be Hassan for the win, and really I, I have no idea what to do with the other – women but the one thing I would say is someone has to make is someone going to take this early who's going to make the move because if you leave it slow and with just 400 meters to run we know that Semenya has 50.400 speed and she might not be able to use all of it at the end of a 1500 but I would not want her right on my shoulder on a slow in a slow race yeah it's interesting everyone I don't really like the idea of oh it's a slow race whoever has the fastest quarter wins because you know, I, 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 particularly actually in 800, I feel like if it's a really slow 800, you gotta have good endurance to switch gears. But um, I think I was thinking about this: like, how is the race gonna be run? Who's gonna push the pace? I mean, Debaba in the past has had this fitness just to blast it early in the race, and you know, and middle last year she may have blasted a little bit too hard. But I imagine she doesn't have the confidence to do that right now. So I'm assuming she's gonna try to run with the pack and maybe see how she feels. Um, Muir is normally the one that's fearless, but she's probably going to be a little bit gun shy based on what happened last year. But you know, again, nobody wants to just sit and let it be totally slow. So I, I don't know who's going to take this pace. I mean, I think Simpson is confident. She could try to pull like a central, which did last year. I mean, she doesn't mind leading. She could just, you know, try to control things from the front. But she's getting 66 to one odds right now. So that's that's pretty. You know, John, it sounds like you might want to go. That's an insult to me. Yeah, I don't know. 66. I think you run this race 66 times. Yeah, you run this race 66 times. She wins at least one. That's my opinion. Jay Simpson wins it. I can see after them. Uh, that'd be hard. Um, I think you have to have a fall that took out two. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I guess two. One person has an off day. Two people overdo it, and she catches them at the end. So yeah, I guess it's possible. Um. But it, 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 you know, it's going to be fascinating. Sure. That's definitely sort of the highlight of the night tonight. For the fastest media sort of people are going to want to make it honest. Want to make it honest anyway. Um, but I think sort of everyone's going to be thinking like, all right, how do we? They're going to be fearing her if it's a slow race. Sort of, Ginny sort of hinted at that. <laughs> I mean, it should be really good one. It's, it's tremendous because. You know, you got Kipiega versus Hassan, sort of. Those are definitely the favorites. And you got the local, Laura Muir, and then you got the unknown, uh, and Semenya, and then you got, you know, Miss Consistent, Ginny. So I really think anything can happen. Uh, that's what you need to watch. And we keep saying tonight, but if you're in the States, that race is. At, I'm not sure. Looking it up. Little computer problems here. Yeah, no, it's going to be this afternoon. Right, it's 9:50, it's 9:50 British time, which means it's going to be at 4:50 p.m. U.S. Eastern time. Yeah, I haven't gotten really into a routine yet of watching during the week. So let's see here. At the 200, he's at 130. So I am. Um, 
this is that's really the only thing I really absolutely have to watch. But it uh, should be exciting, and we apologize for spending about 45 minutes on this podcast, but tomorrow with only one, a few finals tonight, and, and, and you know we'll, we'll try to do a, a quick 30-minute podcast. We're going to see if we can actually do it live and take in some callers that we're, we're experimenting with some technology today to see if it's working or not. So we'll let you know. But um, I, I think we should call it a day, guys. Have fun out there and, and enjoy uh, enjoy the show. And um, we'll be watching on television back here from the States. But uh, good coverage so far. Everyone's appreciating it. Um, so for Weldon Johnson and Jonathan Galt, this is Let'sRun.com co-founder Robert Johnson. Thank you for listening and signing off on yet another edition of Trek Talk. Thank you. <laughs>